0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Castrovinch. Thanks for tuning in. This is our White Sox chat weekly here with Scott Merkin. And Merck, you're headed off to Arizona very soon. You excited, buddy?
1: Yeah, I got, you know, one last uh, blast of the Chicago winter this weekend, about four or five inches yeah. of snow, three days of uh, sub-zero temperatures. Got to see the great uh Eagles tribute to Glenn Frey on the Grammys last night. Now I'm packing and getting ready for a uh, departure this week for a lovely Glendale, Arizona.
0: Uh, have you ever been in Winslow, Arizona? Have you ever made? I, that you know I have been?
1: not. I, am, I, I every year on you know one of my days off or when I occasionally have the back-to-back days off, I always say you know I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to drive to Winslow. And then I find out it's a three-hour drive and that you can order yeah. the t-shirts online. So you know I, I kind of <laughs> back off the trip at that point. Then <laughs> I may have yeah, to this, this year. Is, Just do Google Maps with a little uh, stick figure guide and feel like you're there. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if it's worth the three hours to stand in front of the sign, but anyways.
0: Well, I'm I'm wondering if uh, this White Sox camp is going to be worth the seven weeks of of standing around the clubhouse that you're about to do because there's not really a lot of positional intrigue here, uh, not a lot of outright earnest spring battles. Um, And yet there's this kind of question hanging in the air of whether they still do something. Uh, on the position player side. But uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about Ian Desmond. We've talked about him quite a bit on this podcast. We've talked quite a bit about the qualifying offer and, and, the, and the White Sox potential flexibility there, uh, at least relative to other organizations. But, um, again, we're we're on the eve of, of camp opening, and, and Tyler Saladino is still the guy at short.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I guess it's two sides to it. You would think that the Sox were going to spend money on these guys, whether it's uh, Ian Desmond or Dexter Fowler in the outfield, both who have qualifying offers attached to them, that they would have already. But then again, you would think that if one of those players had an offer they liked, they would be on a team already, too, right? So <laughs> it, it continues on. The, the dance continues on. I, I really don't believe the Sox are going to do anything multi-year with either one of them. So, you know, maybe eventually it comes down to a one-year deal, and one of the players says, okay, that's the best I got, and it's a, it's a team on the cusp, and a team that, you know, if it does well is going to get some attention, you know, it's in a major market, so let's see what we can do there. But, yeah, I don't see a multi-year deal, especially at short where, you know, they think Tim Anderson, I guess it could be like a year and an option if they ever went that way. But as of right now, it seems to me, you know, that they are where they are, and Tyler Saladino has the decided edge at shortstop, and obviously Al Garcia is going to be their right fielder. Well, since we last spoke, the White Sox did actually
0: make one, uh, I would say, surprise move. Uh, the, the acquisition of Matt Latos for the rotation. I say surprise because, um, you know, they had enough bodies for a starting five, certainly, but I also totally get and, and totally like uh, the move here for, hey, $3 bucks in this game is, is not much, and uh, this is a guy who certainly strikes me as a potential bounce-back
1: candidate. What say you, Mr. Merck? Yeah, I had heard a lot about, you know, that Eric Johnson was going to be Fifth guy with Jacob Turner pushing him a little bit, and then Carson Fulmer off in the in the distance. You know, their number two prospect, but you can't pass up a deal like this if Matt Latos is healthy, and you can get him close to his you know heyday with the Padres and the Reds, where he's winning 14 games and his ERA just above three. Even though he's switching to the American League really for the first time, I think he had two innings with the Angels last year, and that's pretty much his American League sum total. But Yeah, I mean, it's really a low-risk, high-reward type of situation, isn't it? Nothing against Eric Johnson, who, you know, had burst on the scene in 13, had an awful 14, and then found his way back big time last year, you know, in terms of International League Pitcher of the Year and had a great September with the team. But I I get it. You know, if they're going for it, they might as well stabilize, you know, the areas that it's going to push them the the furthest and have that pitching staff. So, yeah, I think, you know, if if you get a good Latos, you could really even – Pencil him in higher up. It takes a little pressure off Carlos Rodon, for that matter, too. I think you know if he can come out and pitch, you have a veteran guy who you can slot in there, and it, it kind of breaks up the lefties, which Eric Johnson was going to do also. But it just again, we've talked about this Anthony in past podcast. It gives them the depth. You know, they didn't have Chris Beck is coming back off a nerve repositioning surgery. He, he said he'll be right at the beginning of the season. But you know, besides him, you really do not have any starters that there's some that could surprise, but that really you can say, okay, if you know, Rodon is hurt, or if someone struggles or something like that, you can go to plan A or plan B or plan C. So Lato's lanes it out. And that's the biggest thing we are just talking about, the outfielder and shortstop, that you know, everyone's focusing on Desmond and Fowler. You know, maybe eventually they, two weeks into spring training or two days, whatever, they add someone who no one's thought of, you know, maybe more of a complementary piece in either spot that can, again, lengthen the roster. Because as we, as we said, that's the one thing they kind of lack is that, that depth of insurance, if one of these big guys doesn't perform. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Latos is interesting because there's
0: numbers, peripheral numbers from last season that were not really any different than when he was very good uh, in San Diego and, and uh, Cincinnati. But you know, he comes with a reputation, a, a poor reputation in the clubhouse. And I almost wonder if he'd look around, saying, "Geez, I mean, my numbers were almost identical to those of Samarja. Marjorie gets ninety million, I get three. Uh his reputation certainly preceded him, I think, quite a bit. And uh I just wonder if the White Sox are, are maybe gonna get the best of him from that standpoint because uh you know, he has a lot to gain, especially in next year's free agent market, uh from, from a bounce back season and, and uh and, and perhaps a season where he can, you know, change that reputation a bit. But see how all that plays out. Um all right, so Eric Johnson and, and Jacob Turner kind of pushed back a little bit, as you said. Um, any other spots of, of intrigue for you? We, we, we talked about the shortstop and right field and, and the rotation. It, it seems like the White Sox roster is pretty well set
1: overall. Yeah, I mean, they added Tommy Canely from Colorado. He was one of their first additions this offseason, and they, yeah. they love his arm, but, you know, they want him to throw more strikes as Colorado did too. And I just, you know, for right now, you look at that bullpen and uh i think there are seven guys that are pretty well set there and i i don't know if anyone else is really going to be able to you know to crack into that lineup there's you know uh david robertson zach duke nate jones matt albers dan jennings zach putnam and jake, jake petrischka so I, th- I think all seven are you know there's very little i want to say shakiness you know very little like oh yeah that guy I, I guess putnam's area was up a little bit last year but still you know, good strikeout guy, and, you know, being moved more to the sixth or seventh inning role anyways with Nate Jones, Albers, and Duke in front of David Robertson, so I don't, unless they decide to move one of those guys and bring a pure long reliever, such as, like, Jacob Turner, that, you know, that would make a little bit of sense, but you have a good starting rotation. You have guys who are going deep in the game consistently, so I'm not sure if you really need that long reliever, you know, as much as you need a guy who can throw two innings, which Putnam or Patrishka can do. Even Albers can do that for that matter. So I don't see anything there. I think Saladino's got the decided edges short, even though Carlos Sanchez is probably going to make the roster as a utility guy. And, yeah, I think the biggest battle, believe it or not, is probably for the 25th man. Is, you know, as as we sit here right now, Jerry Sands, Travis Ishikawa, Leory Garcia is in there. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of names I'm, I'm missing there, but, you know, who is the last guy off the bench and then if you want I guess, you know, who's gonna be the starting catcher. But I think that's gonna be at the beginning split between Navarro and Avila and then whoever gets the hot hand they're gonna or you know, most comfortable with the pitching staff, they'll ride that that person for a little bit. So I don't think there really is and believe it or not, you know, for a team that people say is one is one move away or they need one more hitter or one more this, they really don't have a lot of position battle battles, which is I guess a credit to Rickon for kind of lighting things up over the last couple of years
0: yeah i mean that's what you want you you want to go to exactly. camp with not a lot of question marks and um obviously things could happen in camp that create question marks but um you know for for now they're in pretty good shape Rickon says this roster is better now than a year ago what do you think about that mark
1: yeah i think it is i mean i i think you know they're counting on bounce backs let's let's face it uh You've watched Adam LaRoche. I don't think Adam LaRoche is going to be as bad as he was last year. I don't know if Adam LaRoche is going to hit 30 home runs this year, but I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last year. I'm still in the, you know, apparently, at least right now, small camp that believes Avi Garcia should be looked at as a guy who's just played one full season and has a chance to develop. Again, the Sox are not going to let this ride forever. You know, if he is hitting – if he is the guy and he's hitting 220 into June – well, maybe even before then, there's going to be a change. They don't want to waste these prime years of Chris Sale and Jose Abreu and Adam Eaton and everyone else. But, I, you know, I, I think adding Todd Frazier, most people, you know, I saw David Cameron from Fangraphs had a story the other day, and I, we've had stories about this too, talk, MLB.com, talking about the biggest moves, and Todd Frazier is always up in the top two or three for moves in the offseason. And I think Brett Laurie is a is a good addition too in terms of his intensity, in terms of his you know, offensive ability. Rick targeted a couple of seasons ago to the bullpen, kind of fixed that, aligned that better, and this season he targeted the offense, and people kind of look at it that he's done it in, I don't want to say half measures, but almost their measures, but I think even if they don't make another addition, they've done a pretty good job of improving this offense.
0: All right. Scott Merkin will be in Glendale, Arizona all spring. He will not be in Winslow, Arizona, unfortunately, but that's okay. Uh, we won't hold that against him. Not a true Eagles fan, obviously, but that's okay. Uh, Merck, thanks for your time, as always. Thank everybody for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox.